Next on BYU Sports Nation, the doctor has spoken. How will the timing of Yoli Child's return from injury affect the final West Coast Conference standings? ESPN's Joe Lenardi says the West Coast Conference is better than it's ever been. Do we agree? Plus, a decade drought for BYU football in the final AP Top 25. Why? And what does it mean for the state of the program? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Security at an all-time high. Wednesday, January 15th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the... The assistant, rather, to the regional manager of Tent City, Jerem Jordan. Okay, hey, Gonzaga is already camping out for BYU. They're already camping out. They're getting ready. Uh, Tent City going up. BYU in there on Saturday night. First, Cougars have to play San Diego on Thursday on BYU TV. Uh, then BYU goes up to Gonzaga. You've been there for a game. I've been there for a game. It's a cool place to watch a game. And uh, that crowd shows up, and it's a 6,000-seat venue. They pack it every time, and it gets loud, and there's hardly any BYU fans in there. And uh, thrice in the last five years, BYU's won that game. Yeah, your experience there was a little bit more enjoyable than just mine. A, just a little bit. From a BYU perspective. From the perspective. <laughs> we don't care about their perspective. <laughs> look, at, look at BYU, BYU, BYU. BYU, BYU. It's like six times on the screen right now. That said, you did have to shave your head. Actually, it's eight with these. And I watched BYU I lose that, yeah. by like 40. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, we know who to send next time. Absolutely. There, there's no question about who goes to the Northwest. Yeah. This is one of the top ten rules of BYU Sports Nation. If there's a road yeah. trip to the Northwest and it features Gonzaga or anything in Seattle, you have to go. Yeah. Okay? Yes. So if BYU plays in the NCAA tournament anywhere in the Northwest... You, by default, go. have to be there. We should just send me regardless. Okay. <laughs> let's just take the show. Why let's not? Just, huh? Let's take the show. Let's just take the show. Can't show any of the highlights outside of 48 hours, but we can, we can take the show. Let's do a big show today featuring Jonathan Tavernari. He knows a thing or two about playing in the NCAA tournament. Is he buying BYU as an NCAA tournament team? And do the Cougars have any shot against the Zags without Yoli Childs? Greg Rubel, the voice of the Cougars, will answer those questions as well. And... We'll ask him what a decade drought in the final AP Top 25 means for the state of the program for BYU, plus a very special Deep Blue featuring a young man that has inspired so many for the better through his example and his courage. Don't miss it. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. On BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, the coach gave us a timeline on Yoli Child's return from injury. You know, maybe seven to ten days from now, but I'm going to say that, and it's not going to be that. It's going to be two weeks or whatever. But, you know, in the meantime, uh, you know, he's going to work. You know, he worked really hard to get better in the only ways he could get better today. Mm-hmm. And we worked really hard to get better in the ways we can get better, and we'll keep doing that. I said this a while ago. I'm just hoping that Yoli Childs is back by February 1st for St. Mary's in the Marriott Center. Well, he says seven to ten, ten days, maybe uh... Maybe two weeks, but that could be potentially 
next week if it's only seven days, right? So we'll see. Maybe he's on the road trip next week. If not, he's back from Pepperdine, it sounds like. Yeah. Get better, Yoli. In the meantime, the Cougars will host San Diego tomorrow live on BYU TV and BYU Radio, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. And Joe Lenardi of ESPN's latest bracketology has BYU staying at a 9 seed, playing 8 seed Indiana in St. Louis. BYU has been a 9 seed for a few weeks now. St. Mary's a 10 seed, uh, by the way, and guns and fourth in. So St. Mary's sliding a little bit uh, after that loss to Santa Clara, while Gonzaga is squarely a 1 seed. In the NBA G League, Eric Mika <clears throat> scored 26 points, grabbed 11 rebounds in a 126-121 win for the Stockton Kings over the Austin Spurs. Mika averaging 20 points and 14 rebounds a game in the G League. When's he going to get to call up? When's he going to get to play for the Kings is the question. And former BYU volleyball player and assistant coach Rob Nielsen is the new Utah State women's volleyball coach. Nielsen is currently the number one assistant on the USA men's indoor national team. I spoke with him yesterday. Uh, he's trying to see if it can work out where he still goes to the Olympics and coaches Utah State. Very cool. So, uh, cool opportunity for Rob. Yeah, congratulations to Rob. It was only a matter of time before yeah. he became a head coach somewhere. Right. And I would like BYU and Utah State women's volleyball to play each other now. They haven't since it's been a long time. Or something. Yeah, yeah, it's been a very long time. Let's get it done. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Given the hazy nature of Yoli Child's expected return, we're not sure exactly when it's going to happen, but we think it's sometime in the next 7 to 14 days. What does this mean for the West Coast Conference race, Jerem? Uh, BYU is going to finish in second. I, I think that's the case. Um, if it's a week, he, he's back next week for what I think is the hardest two-game road trip left in the season, which is at Pacific and at San Francisco. The next week, BYU uh, plays Pepperdine and St. Mary's. It would be nice to have him for all of those games. My concern isn't necessarily the week or two. My main concern now is uh, what we know in terms of the return. The puncture of the skin which is the compound part of the compound dislocation. Dislocation was taken care of immediately. The compound part, uh, the puncture of the skin, is what has to heal. I want Yoli Childs back if he can shoot threes. Um, if, if he can't and he can just rebound, that's fine too. And I see the need to want him back for rebounding and defense and whatnot. But if it's going to affect him in February, where you are going to play Gonzaga at home, you are going to try and win out um, besides that game, and you hope to get that game as well to ensure uh, getting into the NCAA tournament, I don't want him rushed back. I would prefer that he wait a game or two until he is, okay, he can shoot threes where he's been, what, 8 of 12 or something, and be as effective as possible. I don't think there's a need to rush him back. I think BYU can win a lot of games without him. Sure, and I think BYU will win all of the games they're supposed to without Yoli Childs. I don't think we anticipated or expected BYU to beat Gonzaga, even with Yoli Childs in the lineup. Yeah, with and he's out this Saturday, so that's going to make it even tougher. The important one for me is February 1st. And even if Yoli Childs doesn't shoot threes or can't shoot threes as effectively in that game, I want him to play in that game. I want Yoli Childs oh, yeah. to play against St. Mary's. That's beyond the timeline we were given, so yeah. that's not necessarily in question, right? So, I, yeah, even if that's his first game back and they have to hold him out for Pepperdine, just let him get healthy. I'm with you on that. Like why? I don't feel the need to rush Yoli Childs back before February 1st. But if he's like 90%, if it's taking longer than anticipated, even if he's like 90%, he's got to play against St. Mary's. He will affect yeah. that game. He oh. will change that yeah. game. No, no, no. What I'm, what I'm saying is, yeah, if he can't shoot the same way, 
he will certainly add value, but the the cost uh, would be okay. Does it affect him later? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about BYU in any home game besides Gonzaga. I, I think BYU without Yoli Childs could still beat St. Mary's. It'd be a good game. Sure. It'd be a close game, and it'd be a swing game at home. Uh, Yoli Childs getting back will make a huge difference. I've said it a million times. I'm going to keep saying it. I think BYU is like a sixth seed if he plays all year um, in the NCAA tournament. Without him, with, with, with Yoli for what, eight games or something, right? Nine games? BYU is a nine seed. Um, and so every, everything's fine. Just avoid those uh, losses uh, beneath you and then uh, rip off a, a win at home against St. Mary's. Yes. And, and you're in business. Yes. If BYU pulls off one against Gonzaga. Now we're talking about moving up a line or two in the NCAA tournament seating. That would be big. I do not expect to beat Gonzaga any times. If be, I'm not saying they won't. I'm just saying if they do, now we're talking. It's above the status quo. Yeah. Yoli Childs coming back, I'm with you, is going to help BYU finish second place. The real question is... second, maybe without him. Yeah, the real question is, what, what's going to happen to St. Mary's? How are they going to respond? Because they're on a little bit of a slide. We need, we, BYU, need St. Mary's to be better, yes. right? Because then a win at home would mean more. Santa Clara finishing third? No. no. Stop it. St. Mary's will finish third. Topic two. Jeremiah Jensen of KSL Sports tweeted the following, which is our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. After the final AP poll in the top 25 college football, BYU did not finish in it. And in any season during the 2010s, okay, 2010 to 2019. It's the first decade without a ranked team since the 60s. Let's look at the decade. 70s, 2, 80s, 6, 80s were awesome, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, 90s, 4, 2000s, 5, 2010s, 0, 0. So let me ask you this. Was the decade of the 2010s a success? (laughs) Well, based on those numbers, no, because in independence, the only true measure of success that the whole nation can see on a regular basis on the field is the national ranking at the end of the season. Right. What else is within BYU's fans minds? I'll be like, oh, there were some great wins. And there were there were some great wins. There are always great wins. Some bad losses yeah, as well. Just, you need a lot of them. And there were an unfortunate rash of injuries to the quarterback position, which plays a factor into this as well. If Taysom Hill doesn't get hurt in 2013 or 14. He wasn't hurt in 13. 12. Sorry, 2012 or 14 or 15. Maybe we're not having this conversation, right? In fact, we feel strongly that if Taysom Hill doesn't get hurt in 2014, BYU might have gone to the then BCS game and been the highest ranked uh, non-Power 5 team out there. I don't know that they would have qualified as such. Because they're independent. Yeah, who knows? But I think they would have made a New Year's Six BCS game. Yeah. Yeah. So injuries have played a role in this, but still, facts are facts. BYU has not finished in the top 25 in the last decade, so it's hard to call that a success. I would call it uh, okay. I'd say the decade was okay. 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 Yes, seriously. I compare it to M. Night uh, Shyamalan. Okay, came out fantastic in the 90s, oh. right? He was awesome in the Success, 90s. The village. So good. What has he done since that time? Uh, what was the one that came out recently? The Glass? Glass is pretty good. Yeah, that's okay, right? There was, there was another one, too. That was beating yeah. USC and Boise State. Okay? Yeah. But the... Uh, beating Boise State was better than Glass. The overall body of work <laughs> in 2010 to now has been... Okay, yeah. so I, I compare it to M. Night Shyamalan. 
awesome, awesome early on, but it's just kind of been okay since. Success is relative. What do you want? What does BYU want? Why is BYU independent? BYU is independent to be on ESPN. BYU is independent to be on ESPN to get more money. So was BYU on ESPN? Did they get a lot of money? Um, and was it more money than they would have? Yes, yes. But to me, and this is my thing with scheduling, what's the point of BYU football? It's to win. And if you have any other motive other than that as your primary motive, number one, I think there, I have issues with that. Uh, BYU didn't produce a team that was good enough. And these schedules are weighted, by the way. So if BYU played a tough schedule but won nine games, they would have been ranked had they deserved it, right? Because you could argue, well, the, the I mean, they won the nine twice, team, right? right? But weren't ranked. They yeah. won nine in twice the in the last seven years. BYU was once in the coaches' 2011 week schedule, ten and three. USC couldn't be in that poll for whatever. 2011, you're, bar- you're barely out. 2013, 14, 15, 16. Basically, the Taysom Hill run. If he is fully healthy in the guy, 2013, they played seven power fives. That's why you're not in the top 25. That's tough, right? BYU didn't finish ranked in a uh, decade, in the decade. I'm wondering if BYU have one in the future. Because BYU needs to get to 10 wins to have a chance to be ranked. And with these schedules, they would certainly be ranked. Maybe with nine. Maybe. Uh, I'm a little nervous because the point of playing the game is to win. So if you schedule so tough that you can't do this, what's the point of doing it? And my point is, I don't know that BYU would be ranked even if the schedules were lighter because the Cougars are not beating teams that we think they should beat. The issue is that BYU football has not been good enough. That's kind of the message of this topic is be better. And all it takes is one great season to be memorable. We don't need every year to be in the top 25. I'm just saying like once every like four or five years, please. Yeah, and BYU basketball over the last four to five years hasn't been good enough to get into the NCAA tournament. Now things are turning around. The Cougars are a solid nine seed in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. And Mr. Bracketology himself, Lenardi said, the West Coast Conference is, quote, a whole lot better than it's ever been, end quote. Do you agree, Jerem? It's said every year, not by Joe, but by a lot of people. And so I kind of get old of it. It's like, eh, is it really? So every year it's amazing. Um, Number one team, three bids as of now. Three bids have only happened twice in the history of the West Coast Conference. 08 with uh, the Big Two in San Diego. Went to the Sweet 16 that year, by the way. Uh, and BYU's first year in the league. So six teams have at least 13 wins. Strike the schedule's been a little weak for some of the other teams, but that's good. One metric from Ken Palm to quantify this is uh, adjusted efficiency. So currently, the WCC's ninth as a league, plus 4.2. Okay, uh, last year, the league finished in eighth. So did 2015, uh, 4.3 and 5.06. The best rating, though, was 2014, 6.07. So I don't, those are a lot of numbers. The point is, yes, I, it, top to bottom is his comment. The, the top three have always been pretty good. But three bids in as of now, which is good, two of which are single digit, three of which were until last week. Uh, I'll, I'll go with yes. I, I think we're seeing that Portland led Gonzaga by seven and a half. Portland had it down to seven in the second half here. There's not like four teams that are just cellar dwellers. No, Pacific just good. beat St. Mary's. Santa Clara just beat St. Mary's. Like, it's So we're talking more about the bottom seven being better. than we are at the upper three. This is what Mark Few talked about three or four years ago. The, and commis- the commissioner. The commissioner, yeah. yeah. The, the acting commissioner. No, he's the commissioner. <laughs> the acting. It's Gloria Navarro. It's Gloria Navarro. Yes. Okay, so Commissioner Few has talked about the bottom seven being better, and it looks like they are. Five of the seven seem to be pretty formidable. Pacific and, and, seems all like they're pretty good. Santa Clara seems right. 
Like, they're much better. They, they finally got a win that matters. They beat St. Mary's, right? Mm-hmm. Pepperdine's always going to be tough. San Francisco's pretty good. I, I don't well, know. one of these teams make the tourney ever. You know what I mean? Like, it's been this huge drought for those, that group, too. Yeah. So, uh, because of what has happened collectively in the bottom Who half of the conference, the, the West Coast Conference is better than it's been in a long time. And I think that there will be three teams to make the tournament for just the third time yeah. in the history of the conference. And the NIT is important, too. For the, Think about it. We're going, ah, NCAA tournament. The bottom seven are going, oh, if we can make the NIT, that'd be a, a, amazing. A postseason tournament. Yes. Uh, and, like, yeah, well, San Francisco a couple years won the CIT. No one cares, right? CBI, whatever. It doesn't even it does to these teams it does matter somewhat. Yeah. Um and it's it's good. It it helps raise the league. By the way, the number one shooting league in America, shooting in three point percentage, West Coast Conference, man. Good shooting in this league. Why do you think Mark Pope has focused so much on that thing specifically? They know the metrics. Because it's worth more than a two pointer. They know they that's, know the metrics. Why. Yeah, absolutely. The game's changed. All right, our question of the day, staying with basketball. Given Yoli Child's anticipated 7-10 to 10 day return, what does this mean for the West Coast Conference race? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Bobo underscore Sarah on Twitter answers, it's hard to tell. BYU's been playing really well without Yoli, but they do play better with him, no doubt. I think BYU still wins two of the next three and adjust from there. Hashtag BYUS. And so beat San Diego, yeah. beat Pepperdine, lose to Gonzaga, and then see what happens after that. Yeah. Go compete against Gonzaga. See if you can't make it to the game. I think Gonzaga's vulnerable. They are the number one team. I think they're a top five team. They're the number one team by default because they have the best record and number one kept losing, which is great. I respect the heck out of Gonzaga. I wish BYU was Gonzaga in, uh, in basketball. What they do is incredible, right? Um, let's go see what can happen. But first, take care of business against San Diego. Don't don't have any of these little slip ups, right? At home, that's not going to be an issue. Mark Pope, the last three years, thirty eight and three at home, thirty eight and three at home. One of those losses to BYU uh-huh. at UVM. Uh huh. Yep. In fact, Mark Few's lost three times at home to BYU. How about that? I'm, yeah, yeah, exactly. The marks <laughs> coming up. A deep blue. You won't want to miss. Plus, Jonathan Tavernari, former BYU basketball sharpshooter on if the Cougars have any real shot in his mind without Yoli in Spokane. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tomorrow night's ball night as BYU hosts San Diego in men's hoops live on BYU TV and BYU Radio 9 Eastern Time. Pre-game show on the radio is an hour earlier at 8 Live from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Our Twitter question of the day, or social media question for that matter, is given Yoli Child's anticipated 7-10 to 10 day return, what does that mean for the West Coast Conference race? At Twiggy or Stone adds on Twitter, BYU's been able to win games against good opponents without him, so if they can keep from losing to non-St. Zagat teams, Thank you. shout out to Jerem Jordan, they should be able to compete for second place. Hashtag BYUSN. And second place this year will get you into the NCAA tournament. The, no question. The third place team could be squarely in, but they might be on the bubble. And when it boils down to it, you go, well, there, it's probably three teams, right? They, they're assessed individually, but finishing second would all but ensure that you're in, in my opinion. Yeah, I think 12 wins earns you second place in the West Coast Conference this year. 
Yeah. 12 and 4 should be enough. Especially with number one gun. To get you second place. Yeah. Joining us now in Studio B is former BYU basketball sharpshooter, Euro basketball superstar, Jonathan Tavernari. Jonathan, welcome back to the show, man. Appreciate it, guys. How, how's Hawaii? How's the one? How's how, how Hawaii? Hawaii was amazing. Hawaii was amazing. Yeah. See, the 10 is gone. So that's, yeah, you know, it's, it's been a couple. Back weeks. to the snow now. You, lo- uh, you lose it quickly. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was yep. in Portland. It just rained the whole time. After yeah. That. Yeah. Well, how are you? I'm good, man. Holidays, first holiday in America in about a decade. So, oh wow. Yeah, it was it was different. Brazil, so, Italy. Yeah, I mean, you know, mainly we were in Italy doing you know the last ten years or so, and so it it was different. It's cold. We had a you know white Christmas, which my son loved it, and so yeah. Uh, it's different, I'll tell you that. So I always joke around that in Brazil, Santa shows up with a Hawaiian shirt, you know, and a swim truck. You remember that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's warm down there, you know. <laughs> so exactly you know, right. he comes in in a sleigh, but then he gets on the surfboard and slides He's, down the chimney. And... Listen, Santa in Brazil is way more chill. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's just like the other ones. Like I need cookies. Like it's just yeah, a lot more. Chill. Hey, speaking of Hawaii, uh, on ESPN's uh, bowl game page right now, apparently BYU won the bowl game, thirty-eight, thirty-four. We did not know this. So... And we were at the game. We yeah. we thought we knew we, the we result missed of the game. something. We we missed something. <laughs> Did they uh, retroactively take away you know a what? touchdown? On third and two, the pass came out clean. Micah Simon <laughs> caught it. I got the person and yielded it up. All right. Yes. Merry Christmas. Or maybe there was actually a goal line camera that actually oh, caught the touchdown, yes. right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Please. No. Please. Let's not, let's, that, let's not talk about that anymore, I'm, right? The wounds no. are basketball being reopened. It's it basketball is basketball season. season. And yes, there it are it's back up here. There happier things to discuss. It's yes. also always football season here. Don't forget. It is. <laughs> We've upgraded our basketballs on the set, by the That's way, JT. Good. Double hoops. Right. Yeah. It, it was time. Okay. Uh, we just found out from Mark Pope that uh, doctors have given Yoli Childs anywhere from a 7- to 10-day window before he's back with BYU. Uh, how do you expect BYU to respond to that news, and, and how will things change when he comes back? Well, here we are again without Yoli, right? It's What an interesting season it has been. But if you look at it the way they played against Portland, I mean, they that they were effective, right? Proud of Dalton, can't forget him. I mean, what a, what a season he's having, right? It's uh, the na- the naysayers will say, well, he should have been doing that the whole time, but woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? So Noah Hartzog could have boxed out Darrington Hobson against New Mexico, and I would have four championship rings now, right? <laughs> I'll never forget that, Noah. I'm never forgetting that. But um, but I would I would wow. tell but I would tell you this: um, BYU played great against Portland. And love the catchphrase, Saint, say, what do you guys Saint, Saint Zaga. Zaga. Saint Zaga. Combination. Um, or non-Saint Zaga. Well, yeah. it, I thought that the loss to St. Mary's there was totally acceptable. And the way, came, the way they lost, it's how they lose it, right? I mean, you guys are going to give me a hard time for saying that the loss to San Diego State at home wasn't a bad loss. It's how they lost it. But if you look at how they played against St. Mary's, how they played against Portland, they 100% have – all the tools in place to be able to run the table in conference, beating all the lesser schools. And then when it comes to St. Zagas, as you guys put it, just, you know, just let, let the cards fall, you know. And so I think that coming up tomorrow against USD, it's another great chance to just stomp them um, and just kind of put it a, a good situation that Yoli probably not going to be here on Saturday, right? And he's not going to play against Gonzaga. And so – you get rhythm, you give, you know, Kobe and Dalton um, and those guys a little bit more rhythm, and, you know, you, you let the chips fall. But, again, someday you guys said 12-4, and four, I would say 12-3, and three, well, 13-3, and three, to that okay. matter. 
because the game against home against uh, St. Mary's, you need to win that. Otherwise, you're not going to have the head-to-head um, matchup, and you're not going to be above them on second place. And so I think 13-3 is realistic. Um, and, and that's a big question mark, too, is that means uh, you would potentially lose two to Gonzaga. There's your three, right? Um, right. And then if you don't drop another one of those games, BYU's in the NCAA tournament. Oh, absolutely. Like, like they'd probably still need the quarterfinal to feel comfortable in Vegas. But if BYU is the two seed, they wouldn't even play a quarterfinal. No. They would just jump to the semis and are probably right. in, in at in. that point. So the key almost isn't, and that was what Spencer's brought up with football, is it almost isn't about the good wins at this point. No. It's about avoiding the bad losses. Yes. And if and I'll say this, and you know, I, I can say that we've been on the NCAA train on the bandwagon for quite some time. They finished in second place. Um, they are thirteen and three. I think that's the magic number when it comes to the record for the conference. They are thirteen and three. Um, they finished in the second place um, in the regular season. They put up a great show against St. Mary's in the, in the semifinals. If they automatically go to the to the to the title game in Vegas, I think they're automatic team because right now Joe Lenard is giving them all kinds of love. They have a um, higher seed or a better seed than St. Mary's right now, yeah. and and Joe is usually you know it's it, it's not a science, but he almost makes it a science. I mean, we know him and what he's been doing that throughout the years, and so um, I think that right now, and, and it's what we've been saying this entire time: the focus is not on we need to beat St. Mary's, we need to beat Gonzaga. That's not the focus. The focus is what you said, JJ, is we need to not lose the bad games because losing to USD, I mean, think back how the the the, the conference tournament ended last year. We we don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, you know what I mean? And so it's we we don't we need to avoid that, right? And so and again, it's things that it's doable. This team, the way they're playing, slashing and kicking, pump fake, playing inside out through Yoli, it's gonna really, you know, stink and, and not be fun. Not having Yoli, you know, t- uh, tomorrow and, and probably for another week and a half. But this team has shown us, I mean, the, the win against Houston comes to mind, you know. And so it, it's something that this team can Virginia definitely Tech do. Too. Virginia Tech, now. UCLA. You know, I know UCLA, you know, my dad, my dad is watching right now. My mom and dad is in Brazil. You know, they're here from Brazil. But Oi. My, my dad actually says, never give life to a dead man. You know what I mean? And so I think that that's what BYU needs to do. These these teams that are not the top three, you know, the the St. Zags or whatever you guys say, don't give them life. You know what I mean? Just stomp them, beat them, let the last 10, 15 minutes, you know, Trevin now get some rhythm. Um, you know, get these guys, get some get some some burn. Jonathan Tavernari with us on BYU Sports Nation. What kind of chance do you give BYU in Spokane against Gonzaga without Yoli Childs in the lineup? Oh, wow. <laughs> Put me on the spot like that. <laughs> I mean... It, let the chips fall. I mean, I know it's kind of cliche, keep saying, but you go over there, you got nothing to lose. You really don't. You have nothing to lose because that is a game that you're expected to lose. So the pressure Everybody on- in the country would be expected to lose. Literally everybody. The number two team going in is supposed to lose on the road at number one, right? I'm, Literally everybody. All I'm saying is the pressure's on Gonzaga. That, I, and I'm just going from my experience with that my mom taught me that. High school at Gorman, they taught me at, here at BYU, Coach Rosami. Pressure's not on us, guys. We're going to UNLV. It's a hard place to play. At San Diego State, if it wasn't for Jackson Emory, I would never had a, a win at San Diego State. Um, but it's we have nothing to lose. BYU has nothing to lose. That would be my speech for the guys. Guys, we have nothing to lose. Let's play free. If we win, great. If we get blown out, you know, let's just 
let's just have fun. Let's just enjoy the environment. We get to play the number one team in the country. It's amazing. Right? So let's just enjoy it. Let, let you know, make it, you know, what it is. And it, it was kind of the same speech that Coach Rose gave us in, uh, in Vegas before uh, Louisville and before Carolina. It's like, guys, we're not supposed to win this. Yeah. You know, we're not supposed to do this. And, you know, I happened. I went off and, and Trent went off and, and so forth. But just, just enjoy the moment. How many times, obviously now with Gonzaga is a different uh, a beast, but how many times have BYU played the number one team in the country? I mean, maybe a handful. Just a couple times the last few years. Do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. let the ch- just just enjoy the moment. That that's what I would say. All right, JT, great to have you back, man. Hey, appreciate like you guys having. Like close to Tavernari Elite. You got it. Hey, uh, funny story. Um, one of the kids that plays at USD actually came up through my program, so uh, you know nice. it's working. So it's you know, we don't have anybody good enough yet to bring it to BYU, but we're working on that. We're working on that. So. Nice. Awesome. Okay, coming up, is the West Coast Conference better than it's ever been to Greg Rubel? And an unforgettable deep blue to our BYU Sports Nation friend, Wyatt Page and his family. This is BYU Sports Nation. Coming up after us at the top of the hour, it's a rebroadcast of BYU Basketball with Mark Pope on BYU TV. It's also on demand right now on the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Mark Pope got in a stance last night. That's when we knew it was going to be a good show. Defensive. Oh, man. (laughs) It's always a good show with Mark Pope. It's fun. It really is. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. We're doing our best to make this a good show every day. And Mark Pope's on another level, though, right? Or another level? Or, or another, another yes, le- quite another. literally, he's on another level another, at 6'10 sideways. or whatever it is. We're all on the same level. Let's keep it rolling and whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Men's Basketball. Mark Pope on the aforementioned BYU Basketball with Mark Pope Show said, Yoli Child's still out a week or two. The Cougars host San Diego tomorrow on BYU TV, BYU Radio, 9 Eastern, then head to number one Gonzaga Saturday. In ESPN's latest bracketology, Joe Lenardi has BYU Staying firm at a number nine seed, playing eight seed Indiana in St. Louis. So mark it down. Get your plane tickets to St. Louis. What right? are you doing? No, don't. You do don't that. know the power of the don't, show. Don't One do time, that. don't we do said that. There was practice. I football, It was closed. Someone from Idaho drove down to the stadium, thinking it was open. Don't do it. That was our bad. BYU has been a nine seed for a couple of weeks now. St. Mary's, by the way, a ten seed, and Gonzaga. Well, they're the number one team in America, so they're the number one overall seed. Cougars in pro hoops. In the NBA G League, Eric Mika had 26 points and 11 rebounds in a 126-121 win for the Stockton Kings over the Austin Spurs. Mika putting up a 20-14 and 14 right now. Volleyball. Former BYU volleyball player and assistant coach Rob Nielsen, now the new head coach of Utah State women's volleyball. He's currently the number one assistant on the United States men's indoor national team. Tennis. The men's team returns to action after the winter break today at number 11 UCLA. Track and field. BYU competes in the Air Force Invitational in Colorado Springs tomorrow through Saturday. This marks the third track meet of the season. Now, before the break, we mentioned that uh, we are featuring a deep blue segment today that uh, holds a special place in our heart. Wyatt Page, uh, former true blue hero for BYU football, huge BYU fan. His family is, uh, I mean, they're all in on Cougar Blue. We lost him yesterday, and uh, our hearts break for the Page family, and we feel like we've lost a a close friend. We had the opportunity to do this Deep Blue segment with Wyatt, um, essentially in the final months of his life, and it's something you don't want to miss. Deep Blue with Wyatt Page. 
Uh, my name is Wyatt Page. I'm 12 years old. I have terminal brain cancer, and I'm a BYU fan. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. <laughs> In September of 2019, after his 19-month battle, the diagnosis was terminal. And that's hard. Going into my first surgery, I was obviously nervous, um, but my family was there, and I was just uh, kind of really scared, actually. You think about wishing you'd spent more time together, not working that extra hour or two, or wishing you'd taken time to go to lunch together. It was very clear that, you know, we were on on a special mission that was about to embark. Wyatt is a 12-year-old boy from Saratoga Spring uh, who was nominated by Coach Kalani himself. We had, had been contacted from uh, a ward member here that knows Kalani, and he asked us if Wyatt would be interested in going down and touring the facility, going down and meeting Kalani. I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. And we got down there, and of course, we were able to tour the facility, which is awesome. It was fun. We got to uh, watch a video of all the of the team, uh, like chanting my name and everything, and that was I was like, oh. <laughs> then it turned into something more, to say the least. The experience, the mindset that I had when I was going into that was that I wanted him to feel like he was a part of our family. He was our brother and could ask us for anything that he needed. Ethan presented the team. Um, they just kind of were encouraging, and he was just saying, like, uh, we love you, uh, we're were so supportive of you, gave me like a little swag bag, I guess, and then they started pulling everything out and it was like, we got Monday, Tuesday. And they just gave me a bunch of cool stuff for BYU and everything and it was, it was pretty cool. We were shocked and, uh, and it was a really neat experience to see athletes that are finely tuned express their love and, and concern and brotherhood towards Wyatt. It was an amazing experience that I don't think any of us will ever forget. It was important that we tell the team how much uh, they mean to so many different people and so many uh, fans. And although uh, they're struggling through a loss and, and uh, some inconsistent football playing. They, I think it was important that they understand their purpose is not just to play football, it's to help people's lives and make a difference. When you have someone like Wyatt and all these other Triple Heroes who come and visit your practice and you hear of their story, you really find out what a, a hardship really is. Um, and that even though we all want to win games and losing is tough, it just puts things into perspective that we should still be grateful that we're able to be out here and play a game that we love. And just because it's not going our way, it shouldn't stop us from just putting our head down and going to work because people have it way worse. And so see guys like Wyatt come in with a smile on his face when his life is on the line, it really helps us put a smile on our face to be grateful for um, everything we have. 
I think we recognize, and, and Coach Kalani has helped us recognize, what an opportunity we have where we're at. Because we play football, people look to us, and we have an opportunity to, to be a blessing in their lives. I think the whole team understands that, and we love seeing people like Wyatt and, and sharing those experiences with them where they're able to feel our love and using our position as football players to, to make them feel loved. For them to do that, obviously they were, they were um, needing something as much as Wyatt was needing something. And so the, the two of them to, to be able to get together and do that, I think they've inspired each other. I don't know at what level on each front, but I know for Wyatt, it was a pretty neat day. And for those big guys to come and hang out with, with a little kid and, and share their heartfelt emotion was really neat. It's an unfortunate circumstance, but we've met fantastic friends along the way because of it. And are just grateful for those who've helped with wise care. I mean, it makes a huge difference having um, doctors and nurses and everybody who cares so much and who'll do whatever to help out, you know? And we're just grateful for, I mean, it is weird to say, but it's, it's great. We're grateful for the opportunity. I mean, we look at it as an, as an opportunity rather than, than a, and a trial, but I mean, it's, it's, an it's an, been an opportunity. As a father, it's brutally heartbreaking to watch someone that you care about so much. Losing uh, the battle of, against cancer, but not losing the battle of life. I want Wyatt to know that I love him and that I'm proud of him. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Saturday night, the 15th-ranked BYU gymnastics team hosts number five UCLA and Utah State. Watch it on BYU TV, 9 Eastern time. Hey, let's go, huh? Premier programs coming to the Merit Center. BYU already beat Nebraska, who was ranked 15th in their season opening meet. Guard Young doing great things with that gymnastics program. Joining us now in Studio B is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. We can talk gymnastics if you want, but I, I think I want to start with basketball, if that's okay with Let's you. Let's do Greg. that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Given the rough timeline from Mark Pope, seven to ten days for Yoli Childs to return from his finger injury, when do you expect him to show up in the BYU lineup again realistically? Don't know. How about that? Uh, it'd be great if he only misses four games, which would put him on the floor next weekend, which would be, what, 16 days after the injury? Yeah. Yeah, I guess really it all depends how the wound heals and how you know painful and flexible the finger feels. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's the best case, right? Get him back after only two weekends missed. That'd yeah. be great. That'd be kind of the narrow end of it, I think. Um, but, yeah, uh, that, that's what, that'd be the hope, I think. Yeah, That'd be awesome. Um, and, and San Diego Thursday, certainly one that BYU can handle without Yoli Childs. Um, and then at Gonzaga is an interesting one. How do you kind of gauge what we're going to see Saturday where BYU doesn't have its best player in the game, yet you want to compete and just see what happens because you always went up there a couple times. I think being competitive would be impressive, and a win would be legendary, quite frankly. I mean, BYU's won up there, but they've, they've not been shorthanded like this. Um, you know, the chances of beating Gonzaga without your leading scorer and rebounder increase the odds pretty considerably. You know, that said, again, it would be an epic, legendary performance if they were to get a win up there. Um, as it stands... Just being in the game and, and hanging with would be, uh, uh, I, I think, not, not exactly mission accomplished because you want to get the win, 
But I think BYU showed a lot of things just last week in, in taking St. Mary's to overtime uh, without Yoli. And, uh, you know, BYU will have played, you know, roughly about two-thirds of the season without him uh, by the time he gets back. That was not the expectation uh, when BYU found out he'd be returning uh, for <laughs> oh, another year. Oh, he'll come year. for a third of the season? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, and, you know, if he gets back and healthy, then he can add, you know, some, some numbers to it by the end of the season and increase that you know, that number. But right now, you're looking at a little more than maybe, best case, a little more than half the season with him, you know, and to still get the number of wins BYU's gotten, I think says a lot about this team. And the thing is, I, 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 I believe in these guys, and, and they certainly believe in themselves. Um, they knew coming in they'd play the first nine games without Yo, and they responded accordingly. They didn't think they'd have to do it again, but here they are doing it again. But these last two games last week, I, I think, showed that uh, this team believes it is a team and not overly reliant or dependent on just one guy. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm a believer and, and uh, just been super impressed by everything they've done to, to this point. Greg Rubel with us on BYU Sports Nation. Yes, here we are. Yoli Childs hasn't played the majority of the season. BYU is a nine seed in the latest ESPN Bracketology, according to Joe Lenardi, which is a seed better than St. Mary's, shockingly. And how great is it, by the way, not to interrupt, just to be uh, in the mix again? Yes, oh, it should, right? it's absolutely. <laughs> I mean, for the last few years, just being on the outside looking in and, and, and checking NIT brackets and all those kind of things, not where you want to be. And, and this is you're in the thick of it right now. And that's just a, it's just a great feeling to have uh, BYU in that position, what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I love checking out the team sheet. Absolutely. It's, ones, it's so we're fun. Paying atten- yeah, it's great. Okay, we're paying attention to what everybody's doing in the West Coast Conference because it helps bolster or right. pull down BYU's resume. It's just fun. That said, with St. Mary's losing to Santa Clara and having lost to Pacific – is BYU the second-best team in the West Coast Conference? Well, that's going to be, I think, what puts BYU in the best place to, you know, to, to, to make the dance, is being the number two. I mean, granted, you want to be the number one. You're trying to beat Gonzaga and knock him out of the top spot. If you can't be the champ, I think the second-best team to Gonzaga in this league is an NCAA tournament team. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, and BYU's not been in that position to where, since they went to the new format, of course, getting a double buy or a triple buy, I guess this might, might be in this case, to, the, to that Monday semifinal. They'd be in a great spot if that were the case. Um, so St. Mary's has already lost to two teams. BYU's yet to play. But if BYU is able to do against those two teams what St. Mary's did not, then that gives you a leg up. On the, but then you've got to worry about those two teams. And, and well, how long will Santa Clara stay uh, with the record they've got? And, um, and, and Pacific looks to be better, just how much better. Uh, it's a little early to tell, but uh, I think the depth of the league, I think we can say, has improved. Uh, the fact that you know, your, your lower-ranked team, or maybe till last week, maybe your lowest-ranked team, Portland, you know, led Gonzaga at halftime, beat USF. Yeah, BYU handled them pretty well, but that team had already shown well uh, in its first uh, couple games. And so I think the overall quality of the league has improved. I think people nationally uh, are thinking of the WCC as a multi-bid league every year. Uh, you know, Joe Lunardi last night, uh, you know, tweeting in response to somebody about how you can, you, can, uh, you, you can infer by the fact that St. Mary's lost to both Santa Clara and Pacific, you can infer that the WCC is a lot better than it's been top to bottom, and I think that's true. Yeah, and, and that's awesome because that means if BYU can have – there can be multiple bids. Now the big three are getting in. Um, and I'm wondering if one of the bottom seven will make the tourney at some point in the future. If they don't, it's okay, but that would bolster the league as yeah. well. And Mark Few kind of asked for this a couple of years ago. 
And, and USF probably had the best shot until they tailspin, uh, tailspun at the end of last year, uh, of at least getting a look. But uh, you know, right now, even though Santa Clara's record is really impressive, they've played the second or third worst schedule this season. Now that'll that'll improve when they play, you know, just by playing Gonzaga, that'll take an uptick on on Thursday. And that's maybe the best, not maybe not the best barometer, but a barometer of how Santa Clara is doing is how competitive they stay uh, in Spokane on Thursday. Yeah, and did pull off the upset against St. Mary's, so it was somewhat, I guess, validated. But yeah, multiple ways of looking at it. And that was their first uh, away win. They'd only played a couple away games, maybe three away that's, games. That's how you win a lot. You play a lot of home games against yeah. nobody. And if there's if there's one if there's one hole in BYU's resume, not that it's a big one, it's uh, it's true away wins. Uh, they're one and three because all three of the overtime losses. Yes, yeah, so, and, and, the the, road, and right? that leads me to the fact that yeah, they're one and three, but the but being. They were all in overtime. Yeah, and the know? one win is against Houston. And 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 so you know one and three in away games is, is again something that they need to kind of buttress here as the season goes along. They'll get that chance. They've been in the Beehive State for a lot of the last two months. In fact, they've only played one game outside of Utah since Thanksgiving. Okay, that's going to change here in the next month. Yeah, St. Mary's is like, wait, what? That's our thing. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Rubel, the voice of the Cougars on BYU Sports Nation, looking at Gonzaga. Whether it's statistically speaking or just matchups, what's the toughest matchup for BYU on Saturday? Uh, well, the, the way they go inside, um, and the fact that they, the, 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 the fact they restock with guards just so well and so completely is is one thing about it. But the fact that they can be so long and so skilled inside over and over again, and like Mark Pope said on our show last night. When they want to decide to overpower a team and really are intent on doing that, they can do just that. They can dump it down, dump it down, and get uh, and get performance from from everyone they put inside. But Petrushev is is you know legit. He actually replaced I think Killy and Tilly on the midseason Wooden Award watch list, right? I think Kill, I think Tilly was there to begin the year. Then he got bumped out by his teammate, and and he's you know in in the running for Player of the Year in this league, and and so but he's just one of many many skilled bigs. Um, and, and they do so well with the overseas recruiting, and it's another, it's another typical Gonzaga roster that way. It's interesting to really see what, what Gonzaga's become in the decades since BYU's joined the league, almost a decade since joining the WCC. Um, their, their recruiting patterns and their, their roster composition looks different now than it did then. They were good then. They're great now. It's it almost, almost like, oh, BYU's going to challenge us. We've got to do something different. And when BYU came to the league, BYU blew out Gonzaga. Yeah. A, a shot was fired. It may right? not have been like the trigger for Mark Few, but, but BYU handled Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament the year before, as BYU was coming into the league. And again, not, not that that was Mark Pope waking up and saying, oh, now we got it. But, Maybe but, it was something. But, yeah. but it was a realization that, that BYU coming into the league, everyone's got to raise their level. And certainly Gonzaga modified its approach in a way and just got better and better and deeper and deeper every year to the point where now uh, they're as much a national powerhouse as any of the Blue Bloods. Yeah, it's the golden age. It's wild. It's, it's yeah. BYU football in the early to mid-1980s for Gonzaga and basketball now. And no matter how good the Mountain West Conference was when BYU was in it and, and Utah was good, it, it was never like this, yes, where you had never. to beat the number one team in the country to be a conference champion, <laughs> which is what BYU, BYU stuck Crazy. in a league with – um, Kansas, a Kansas, Duke. a Kentucky, a, a, an Arizona, whatever you want to say, a Duke, uh, wh- whoever you want to you know, hold up as, as, as a conference standard bearer. You know, BYU's in that league with that kind of team right now. Greg, great stuff. And uh, we wish you the best, uh, not just tomorrow, but then your trip to Spokane. Yeah, you know, and you know they they've got three wins up there, right? Which is more than uh, you know I think most every other team other than St. Mary's can combine to have in the last decade or plus. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it'll be a, such a great challenge this weekend. If they don't have Yo, um, it would be one of those uh, just again uh, most memorable moments that they can somehow find a way to come together. And they've been doing that so far; it's been fun to watch. 
All right, Greg okay. Rebell with us. Okay, coming up, a cougar that is actually a goat. And our responses to our question of the day. What does Yoli Child's return mean for the West Coast Conference? We have a man in our sign. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. You can always subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. The show is also on demand on the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. Our question of the day. Given Yoli Child's anticipated 7-10 to 10 day return, the time frame anyway, what does it mean for the West Coast Conference race? At the Josh Landon on Twitter answers, it means it's up in the air again. BYU could drop a game or two to Pacific or San Francisco if Yoli isn't back for those, but he should be. However, BYU has shown they can ball without Yoli, so who knows? This is my life as a BYU fan now. Well, that's a bigger topic to discuss life as a BYU fan. <laughs> it's, it's a hard haul. Yeah, big question mark. So a week or two. So if, it, if it's two, he's going to be back for Pepperdine and St. Mary's. If it's one, he's back for Pacific and Santa Clara, which to me in a two-game set, BYU's not a playing, a ton, playing a ton of these left. That is a tough one. At Pacific, a place where St. Mary's beat Pacific in four overtimes, a place where BYU has lost a couple of games in WCC play before. At San Francisco, team that lost to Portland, so you think, okay, that's a winnable game. But San Francisco is sneaky, kind of long, and they shoot it well uh, at times. So that's a, that's a big road trip for BYU's next week. This week it's, okay, get the split, compete. Next week, go and take two. Go and take two. Oh, because yeah. Because if BYU doesn't lose a non-St. Zaga game, we are dancing in March, baby. The Elite Voice of the Day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at Borge Tire on Twitter says, Second is still BYU's to lose. BYU has played in one big games without Yoli. It's going to be tougher, but BYU's team is good. In this league, second is first. It is. Because you're not going to win the league against the number one team in the country. Today's rise and shout-outs. Jeremy, you're up first. Ken Jennings, uh, BYU grad, uh, BYU alum. Uh, the Jeopardy greatest of all time. Incredible. Incredible. Nice Incredible. job, Ken Jennings. Yeah. And a Mariners fan. And I'm giving my rise and shout out to ESPN for granting in a uh, revolutionary way BYU the bowl game win against Hawaii, 38-34. Revolutionary, meaning an intern didn't update the score online. <laughs> it's, uh, we were looking at that. We're like, the touchdown to the won. wrong team. Win hey. probability, 100%. Yep. Our thanks to today's guests, Jonathan Tavernari and Greg Rubel. Sergeant Dennis Pitter ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUS. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Noah Hartsock. I feel bad because JT went after him. Oh, he knows the JT. Come on. <laughs> Stay tuned for BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. We'll see you tomorrow for BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs.